Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaff, and today I want to talk gi versus no gi jiu-jitsu. The age-old question, which is better, gi or no gi jiu-jitsu? Honestly, that's an impossible question to answer. It really comes down to your preference. They're both amazing. But there are tons of differences between the two, starting with gripping. The gripping exchanges between gi and no gi are vastly different, and a lot of guys struggle when transitioning from one to the other. Now, in the gi, since you can grab the cloth, you have so much more control and you can really slow down your opponent. Sweat is much less of a factor. I've seen a lot of guys, especially the better they are in the gi, and if they have a grip-oriented game, they really struggle when they first transition to no-gi, or they first start getting ready for their no-gi high-level competition. They find that the control that they have in the gi just isn't there in no-gi. You have to use your body to control, and you have to really learn to hang your weight and to use your body to pin compared to grabbing grips. Now, what I find, and I'm serious about this, there is a vast difference even in nogi if a guy's wearing a long sleeve rash guard and spats versus him in shorts and no t-shirt. The gripping and the control is completely different. It is so much harder to control a guy even in a short sleeve rash guard compared to a long sleeve. The friction, the extra friction provided by the rash guard can make a big difference. You'll see this in EBI exchanges. I've seen guys do EBI style matches where during the match, they wear a t-shirt or a rash guard, they compete. And when it goes to overtime, they take their shirt off trying to get that extra advantage. They know they're super sweaty. They know it's going to be much harder for their opponent to control them either in the arm lock or the back take situation. Sweat is just a huge factor. And if you're not used to dealing with it and learning how to grip around it, you can really struggle. Now, if you're a no-gi guy coming into gi jiu-jitsu, you might not recognize how dangerous a single grip can be. If somebody grabs the inside of your collar, you're not going to be aware of the dangers that are presented when your opponent gets that deep grip. And so there's a lot of offense that's not present in no-gi that gets added due to the grips. Now, you can still watch gi guys, especially guys that aren't grip-oriented or don't have grip-oriented games. There's a couple that I, I mean, Marcelo Garcia is the most famous. His game is very, very similar from gi to no-gi. I really like the Gracie brothers, Henner and Huron. I've been watching them more recently. Their games translate very well from gi to no-gi. Now, the more you see guys start to play Spider Guard, Barum Bolo, especially any of Keenan's new grip-oriented guards, the Worm Guard, uh, any of the Worm Guard variations, those games just do not translate to no-gi. One of the big advantages I feel no-gi guys have is that if you can do it no-gi, you can do it in the gi. And so your A game is going to translate very well. And a lot of times it's actually going to get stronger because now you can control your opponent a little bit more. Now, moving on from the gripping, I kind of already mentioned this, 
but there are more attacks in the gi. And so a lot of guys really enjoy training gi because they find it's a little bit more intricate. They can attack differently. There's a lot of really cool chokes you can set up and there's just even more ways. So as no gi and anytime you add submissions into a grappling situation, there's just infinitely more that you can do. There's so many more techniques. You think about wrestling. Yes, there's a lot of wrestling techniques, but whenever you throw in submission grappling into that, you just multiply the techniques by a thousand. Well, in the gi, since there's so many different ways to grip, there's so many different ways to attack and to manipulate the cloth, it, it makes it an even more intricate game. And that, again, there's so many techniques, there's so many variations to explore. So the more attacks some guys really like, they love clock chokes, they love bow and arrow chokes. But again, a lot of guys start to fall in the trap, in my opinion, of doing and really mastering a game that does not translate without the gi. And so I think having less attacks actually really helps the no-gi guy because they get to master the chokes and the submissions, the locks that are available. And again, they can be used in any situation. I mean, you don't want to say that a black belt in gi Brazilian jiu-jitsu is going to struggle in a street fight because that's just not true. If he trains at a legit school and he's a legit black belt, he's going to murder 99.9% of the population. He's going to be able to get a takedown. He's going to be able to finish with anything he wants. But I do feel a lot more comfortable mastering something like a rear naked choke compared to mastering the bow and arrow. Because if the guy's not wearing a heavy coat or a really thick shirt, a bow and arrow just is not realistic in any other situation except if I'm wearing a gi or, again, a very heavy material. Now, the leg locks are something that is always talked about, and one of the big misconceptions is that gi guys don't do leg locks, and that's just not true. Some of the best leg lockers have been gi guys. Now, their weapons of choice have been straight ankle locks and knee bars. There are some phenomenal knee bar guys out there, all the way from purple to black belt in the gi toe holds i feel like the best toe hold guys in the world are in the gi because they can't do heel hooks but we've seen especially over the past five years we've really seen no gi guys with the emergence of the leg locking system you know and we really look at sambo because sambo guys were the first guys in the states teaching leg locking systems and then the DDS, the Donahue guys, came and really improved that. Tenth Planets had some really nice improvements in the leg lock game. But, I mean, and realistically, the Donahue system is the premier leg locking system. You have to know it if you want to compete at a high level in uh, grappling, especially in no-gi grappling. So you really add a lot of attacks. And I think it's you really add a lot more of a system attack in the no-gi leg locks. Because when I see when gi guys do leg locks is there really isn't a system. Now, they're very good at creating breaks in those submissions I've already named, straight ankle locks, toe holds, and knee bars. But there really isn't too much of a system. It seems like it's a lot of one or two setups that guys hit. 
I think it's a huge advantage for the Nogi guys that there is a very intricate Nogi leg locking system that every rule set, well, I guess besides the IBJJF, but pretty much every major rule set in Nogi allows you to do. So definitely I'd give the advantage. There's definitely a lot more, excuse me, lower body attacks in Nogi and a lot more intricate lower body attacks in Nogi. While in the Gi, there's a lot more upper body attacks and a lot more chokes that you have to be aware of. Now, the third thing, there's a big difference in the pace. Now, you're going to have guys like Hanato Canuto or Buchecha that really run a fast and furious pace in the gi. But for the most part, since the gripping is so much more controlling and it's so much easier to negate athleticism, the pace in the gi is much slower than the pace in no gi. And some guys really like that, especially if you're an older practitioner. The joke always is between the Nogi, uh, I've heard a lot of Nogi 10th Planet guys say this. So like, man, when I get 50, I'm going to transition to the Gi. Like that'll be my time. And there have been a couple of guys, the older they've got, they've started to train more Gi, uh, 10th Planet guys that I know. One or two, I believe, like made the full switch to the Gi. Now, I love the fast-paced game of Nogi. I absolutely love it. And I think it's a much more realistic look at the pace you're going to see in an MMA fight or even just a self-defense situation. Everything happens so fast. Somebody's athleticism can't be negated by a grip. Like you can't just grab uh, the collar and a sleeve and control a much larger and more athletic opponent. You really have to learn to use two-on-ones and you have to learn to use your body the pin. And I think that is something that is very interesting and that is not talked about enough. So if you're looking for a slower pace or you're older and you, you know you don't want to, to go into these wars with these 20-year-olds, you might start to favor gi training. Now, obviously, any pace can be used in either one. As I've mentioned, there's very high-paced guys that are gi grapplers. And then there's also no-gi guys that play on the slower end. But it takes much a much higher level of mastery to be able to control and to manipulate somebody's athleticism in no-gi. Where in the gi, pretty much when you get a blue belt, you're going to be able to control guys that are much bigger and stronger than you. You're going to be able to control them much, much easier. Now, the fourth thing, the big difference is stand-up. There's a huge difference between no-gi stand-up and gi stand-up. In the gi, judo is king. Most of the top-level guys really excel at judo. A lot of guys in Brazil, I mean, Brazil has a very deep history of judo. A lot of really good judo practitioners in Brazil. And the grips really allow for you to use judo's full arsenal. Now, in no-gi, judo just really isn't that viable. Now, obviously, there's some foot sweeps and some trips that you're going to be able to do, but you really don't see judo guys excel in no-gi. Not like wrestling. Wrestling is key, uh, king. 
Just think ADCC. I mean, ADCC really is dominated by submission grappling. And I would say that guys that are wrestlers, so if they're a blue belt level in submissions, but they're a black belt level in wrestling, they have a bigger advantage than the guy that's a black belt at submissions and a blue belt at wrestling. And so you really see the ADCC, there's not a lot of judo. I mean, you will see some throws here and there, but you don't really see a lot of judo guys do well. I mean, I can't think of a judo guy, you know, especially in the past five to 10 years that has done really well at ADCC. Now, again, in gi jiu-jitsu, if you watch the world, just where the best guys are competing, you're going to see the full arsenal, everything judo has to offer mixed with the ground game of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And so if you're in the gi, you cannot neglect your stand-up judo. You have to understand how to grip and how to position yourself for throws and how to take a throw. Where in no gi, it is you're going to need to do some wrestling training. You're going to need to at least get to high school level wrestling. And that's going to really work, really, really work well for you over the years. Even at black belt, just getting to the point where you're a high school level wrestler is a must. Now, the last big difference is we're going to talk about the traditional side. There's definitely more tradition in the gi. So if you go to a gi school, you're more than likely going to be calling your professor a certain name, whether it's professor, um, well, I've already said professor, but you're not going to just call him by his first name. You're usually going to have to bow before you get on the mat, and you're going to have to bow before you get off the mat. You're going to line up based on rank. And that's honestly at a really a school I would say that isn't that traditional. I know there's other schools that are even way more traditional, like making their students memorize the history, making their students bow to, you know, Helio and Carlos Gracie, making their students wear a specific uniform. There's just a lot more of that involved on the gi side of things. Now, some people love tradition. Some people love kind of being underneath someone and really learning kind of as a, you know, having a sensei, having somebody they can look to and ask questions. And I don't want to say be subservient to, but that's what a lot of it is, is it's kind of that Japanese culture where the senior instructor is revered and you're going to bow to him and you're going to submit to his rule. Now, in Nogi, it's a lot less traditional. You can, I would say the big difference even just at our school and a lot of the 10th Planet schools that I know. If you show up 10 minutes late to a Gi school, a lot of Gi schools, I should say, there's probably going to be a little bit of a punishment. Some schools will not allow you to show up late. Other schools make you wait on the edge of the mat until the senior instructor recognizes you and waves you on the mat. And then from there, some schools make you do some sort of punishment. Like if you miss the warm-ups, you're going to have to do burpees or you're going to have to do some type of exercise to make up for the work you've missed. Where our school, I tell guys all the time, especially when they come from geese schools, I go, look, if you show up 10 minutes late, just step on the mat. We don't care at all. We want you to show up whenever you can and leave whenever you want. Do what you need to do. You're an adult. If you need to leave early, leave early. But some people, they really like that kind of more militaristic, like they want the, no, 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 if I can't show up late, if I can't make it a priority to show up up on time, I shouldn't go at all. 
or, oh, no, 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 I'm going to be forced to do the hour and 15 minutes here. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to leave early. And so it really comes down to, do you, are you looking for that tradition? Are you looking for that structure or not? Now, one big thing I will say when you're looking for a no-gi school, like if I was recommending to a buddy that had just moved to a new city, we'll say he moved to Kansas City. Um, if there's not a 10th Planet school, I would be very wary of recommending a no-gi academy. I think there's a lot of MMA academies out there schools they're smaller and they focus on MMA that have no gi coaches that really aren't accredited one of the big things is that there's a lot more established gi schools and it's going to be a lot easier to get high level gi training than no gi but if there's a 10th planet available then you're getting the best of the best I mean I still think 10th planet outside of Henzo New York I mean Henzo New York's where the best no gi guys train but if you're looking for a really, really top-notch, no questions about the level of training you're going to get, you've got to train at a 10th planet. There's just too many questions I have to the guys that are, oh, no, no, I do no gi, but they're not part of 10th planet. Like, who's your instructor? Who are you training under? What's the verifying process in you being whatever rank you are? Because again, I've seen a lot of guys that claim to teach Nogi that aren't a part of the 10th planet system that I just, I don't want to say they're charlatans, but I, I definitely am more wary about their credentials and their actual grappling technique. Now, the big last question is the MMA. You see a lot of guys in MMA that are blue and purple belts because they focus now and more and more guys are focusing on their Nogi training. You just can't make the argument that you need to train in the gi to exceed in the MMA world because it's just not true. Of the current champions, I bet most of them are not black belts. So you just think of John Jones, for instance. I believe he just got his blue belt. Stipe Miocic, I believe, is a blue belt. I think maybe he just got his purple belt. Yeah, I think he's a purple belt because I remember there was a super fight fight to win was trying to give him with another purple belt. Um, but he's definitely not a black belt. At 170 pounds, I know Kamara Usman is not a black belt. And so big reason these guys are not getting black belts and are being promoted by their instructors is because they're not training in the gi. I know so many UFC fighters that are good grapplers. You know, I've trained with them. And they're mostly blue or purple belts. And a lot of it is they've been training for 10 years, but since they never train in the gi, they never get promoted. And I think that should tell you everything you need to know about what the top level guys think about the importance of training in the gi is for MMA success. All the reasons I mentioned, just think about it. If you go back through the list about the gripping, about the attacks, about the pace, and about judo versus wrestling. All of those things really favor no-gi. Like you need wrestling. You don't need judo at all, but you need wrestling in an MMA career. The pace. You need to be fat. You need to be able to deal with fast-paced competitors in MMA. You need to be able to deal with no-gi submissions in MMA. You'll never, ever, ever get bow and arrow choked unless for some reason you decided to go out there in a kimono, which hasn't happened in probably 20 plus years. 
and then the gripping. You see this happen all the time. The gripping changes even more when you add gloves and the attacks change even more. I mean, it's so much harder to put in certain chokes due to the gloves and guys can really grab on and they can hold you. And so it can make it like finishing something like a rear naked choke is much more difficult with gloves on. And so if you are an MMA fighter, you can train in the gi and you can love it and you can excel and you can get your black belt in the gi, but you really need to make sure that you have a very, very, you, I should say that you've mastered or trying to master the no gi side of grappling. But just remember guys, one is not better than the other. I will say just talking about the differences and you guys have just heard the differences that if you want to be an MMA fighter, you got to train nogi. But if you're moving to a new spot, the, there's a I'm much more likely to recommend a gi school that does a little bit of nogi, even only does nogi once or twice a week. I'd recommend you to train there than a nogi school that's not a part of Tenth Planet. Now again, I know a couple of one-off schools in places that have a very, very good. They're pretty much all nogi and they are very, very good. I mean, again, Henzo's New York. If you just wanted to go train with John Donner here, all of his classes are nogi. And of course, that's the best nogi training you're going to get. But be very cautious about moving to a place and just having that mindset of, oh no, I want to train nogi. Screw the gi. I don't want to do it. Because you could be missing out on just so much better training and a far superior instructor because you have this idea that you don't want to train in the gi. I would a thousand percent rather train with a really good gi black belt than a guy that's done no gi for 10 years that honestly it is really more like a high level blue belt or a low level purple belt. Because there's a lot of guys out there that are no gi instructors that that's what their skill seems to be like to me. Remember, the PGF is finishing tonight. I know a lot of you guys will probably listen to this episode over the weekend or maybe even uh, early next week. But, man, the PGF ends tonight. And there's almost, I believe, $4,000 is going to be given out by Brandon. So tons of money is going to be given out. It's going to be a great time. I'm really Cannot wait to see who wins submission of the year and match of the year because both all of those guys, so three guys will get rewarded $500 for that, one for, again, sub of the year, and then two dudes will get it for match of the year. Now, there's still a lot of drama when it comes to the seating, and the top eight guys are getting paid as well. And I know there's a really hot battle between Seth Tatum, Moises Carrasco, and Jonathan Roberts for that final spot. Uh, for $200. I'll be really interested who comes out of that. Jonathan Roberts has got a really, really tough schedule today. So it would be crazy because Jonathan's pretty much submitted almost everybody he's went against. Um, he had a draw with Kevin Primo and then got tapped by Matt Elkin. So the other, I believe, 15 matches he's had, he's finished with submissions. And he might not finish in the money just because he preferred the joint lock over the choke this season. But we'll find out tonight. I hope you guys tune in with me and really enjoy it. Remember, we're off next week. And then the next weekend, October 2nd, we're going to have the final 
PGF tournament uh, for season one, and we're also going to crown season two's champion in a four-man under 225 bracket. Hope to see you guys tonight. Have a great weekend. Love you. Peace.